podcast features conversations around art and faith and the refining experience of engaging with God, our art, and each other for the sake of holiness and wholeness. I'm Chris. Welcome to the conversation. Yeah, I just, I don't really have, I guess, a agenda. I just really wanted to hear where you are because I feel like you're, you're making a lot of changes and Miley's making changes. I love that she's on Substack now. So I just wanted to kind of hear a little bit about what that has looked like for you in your writing and in your work, family, whatever, however you want to take it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think it all sort of started back in the spring. Um, We, you know, lost our friend Leslie, who I think you, you were friends with as well. Um, and then my cousin passed away. He was in his early fifties. And this was after, you know, last year, 2022, feeling like I remember coming into this year and feeling like, okay, fresh start. Like let's 2022 is behind us. It was a rough year. Mm -hmm. And then those two things happened. Um, our son was a, was a freshman in college and and was just you know really struggling with that transition and Miley and I I remember us sitting in here in the in the office slash laundry and having just a really deep conversation about about what our life looked like and reflecting on what our life looked like in comparison to like we're sort of in the midst of all these things happening and then, and really questioning, like, why are we doing the things that we're doing? You know, mm-hmm. like, and some of the things were good things, but we really felt like we needed to reset and um, to step back from everything, like everything that we could step back from. Um, so we stopped recording our podcast. We we began the process of closing down our community, which, as you mentioned, is just sort of coming, finally coming to fruition this week. Um, Miley quit her part-time job. Um, I, I, for the most part, stopped writing fiction for about seven or eight months. Um, and it really became a time for us of just paring back, you know, of, of, of trying to give ourselves space for these things that we felt were really important, you know, like Mm -hmm. we wanted to be able to focus and to, give more time to our kids um, as some of them were just kind of having a rough time. And um, so we started that process and it did, it takes a while, you know, like you come to this realization that, wow, my life is too full. I need to stop doing things. But many of the things that we were doing, you can't just stop, you know, like, so it, it, it was a, it was a much longer process than I anticipated. It actually has taken us probably five or six months to get to the place where all the things we wanted to quit, we could actually quit um, or shut down or step back from. And I feel like we're entering into a season now of just taking stock of our life and, Mm. and really recognizing where like each one of our kids is, we've got six kids. So um, I think, I think trying to, trying to almost take an inventory of each of them and say, okay, well, this is where this child is and this is kind of what they need in this season. Mm. Um, Miley has 
dedicated most of her writing now to her Substack page. Um, but she's she's really embraced the role of stay-at-home mom in a way that is very different because she's almost always been primarily a stay-at-home mom, but there, there's been, um, you know, she homeschooled for 10 years. So that was a huge role. And then mm-hmm. the kids went back to school. But then when the kids went back to school, we still had two littles at home. Um, and then when they started school, she kind of picked up part-time work. And so I think almost for the first time in her life, she's being a stay-at-home mom just, and that's it. And she's really finding a lot of joy and peace in that season. Neither of us really know how long it will go, but it just mm-hmm. feels like it's the right time for her to um, mm. to to sort of take a break. And, and again, take inventory of her life and 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 step back. And I know it's such a it is such a privilege to be able to do that. I know a lot of people would love if they could take a year or two and just kind of figure life out. Um, but a lot of the things that we were doing, we weren't really making money from, you know, so it's not like, I think we had just gotten into this place of we had this writing community, and we had a podcast, and we love doing these things. And we love supporting writers. Um, but it was just, I think it was time to cut back from some of that. So, so here mm-hmm. we are. Yeah. I, I have so appreciated, um, you know, the bits that you've, that you've shared along the way, getting to this point. Um, again, I feel like there's, there's a lot of parallels and I think part of it is probably because as you and I've discussed, we're in similar stages of life with our kids. And so we're doing some of the same kind of work of sort of looking at things and going, uh, is this what we want to be doing? Is this how we want to live? Is this what we want to be doing? Is this where we should be spending our time? And I think your um, your taking inventory is really just wisdom. Of I think we should all be doing that all the time. Like mm, I think we kind yeah. of wait till New Year's or something. Like now I'll take inventory and do all these new things. But I think the reality is we probably should always be kind of keeping one eye on that and thinking like, is this what I should be doing right now? Because Sometimes that changes very quickly. You know, when you lose friends and you lose family members, I remember where I was. I was in a hotel in Florida when I got news that Leslie had passed. And I just remember sitting there and seeing that news and just feeling like it was surreal to me because I'd just seen her at Hutchmoot, what, six, six months before. I had, you know, sat with her at dinner and laughed and carried on. And then she was gone. And those kinds of things, I think, force you to look at your life and go, is this how I want to spend my days? This, you know, I'm losing people that I care about and I need to be aware of that. So I just really appreciate your, um, your candidness and your willingness to say like, yeah, we need to just kind of take inventory and assess Mm -hmm. what are we doing and how are we spending, you know, this wild and precious life as Mary Oliver calls it. Um, in letting go of some of these things, has there been grief or does it feel just more like relief or is it just a mix of both or how are you feeling about it all? Yeah, there's a mix. You know, we we just so loved our writing community. We had it for about three years. We started it in 21 during, you know, sort of in the middle of the pandemic when everybody was looking for connection and it was, it was a real blessing for us and for others. And uh, we ran some online writing courses, which, you know, financially helped us out during that time. And so for about three years, we had started to build this community and 
um, became really good friends, you know, with a lot of people in it. And so that, that has been hard to step away from. I, I think it's always hard to step away from the people, um, the day-to-day sort of responsibility. And even though it wasn't a ton of work, it was just knowing that it was there and knowing that it required time. And, um, Mm -hmm. that part has been a relief, um, to move away from, but yeah, so that was, that was tough. I think, I think Miley's finding a lot of peace in, in the things that she's stepped away from. So it's definitely, it's definitely a mix. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think so. I, I don't, I recently made the decision that I won't be hosting the retreat that I host in the capacity that I've been hosting it for the last 10 years. And I, I think that's also like, I felt so much camaraderie with you watching because while you were, I realized like, Oh, we've been making similar decisions in our own private lives, which is so funny to me. But um, when you announced that you were closing the um, online site was in the midst of while I was praying about like, what am I supposed to be doing with this retreat stuff? And so it just felt like, I don't know. I think there's something um, I don't, I don't feel like I needed permission, but I think when you see other people making hard decisions that you know are hard, like I know you didn't just wake up one day and like, Oh, I'm just going to shut this all down. I think when you see other people taking those steps that feel brave, that feel hard, it gives you courage to go. Yeah. I can do this or a confirmation even of like, yeah, maybe what I'm sensing is real and I should pay attention to that. So um, it was just interesting to me, the parallels that were happening there that of course you had no idea, but I, I received that news as like, Oh, okay. This can, this is an okay thing to do. It's okay to step back. Cause I think sometimes you can get so entrenched in the work that you're doing yeah. that you almost feel like, how can I stop doing this? I can't actually yeah. stop doing this, yeah. <laughs> which is so weird. Like you actually can, but <laughs> no, it's totally true. I think, you know, for me, there was a friend of mine who had had similar to what you're talking about. I think I, I had seen him sort of step back from some different things. And I realized that at, at the heart of a lot of the things that I was doing was sort of this striving, um, to have something that I wasn't really sure that I wanted anymore. <clears throat> mm. And I, I, I was starting to understand or believe that maybe if I, even if I got it, it wouldn't be that good for me. Um, mm. You know, with the community, you want to grow a community, you want it to be bigger, you want to bring in more people. Um, and I started to look at that and just wonder, like, is that, is that really what this community is about? And if it's not about that, what, what am I doing? You know, and, and even with writing, you know, having stepped back from writing fiction for six or nine months or so, um, it, it was a good opportunity for me to really ask myself, why do I do this? You know, what, what am I trying to do? I think when I started writing fiction, really dedicating myself to it back in like 2012, 2013, I was working on a story for my kids and it was all about just the fun of creativity and Mm. I self-published it and there was just really so little pressure. Um, And then I think as I got book contracts and I started, you know, I won some awards and I started to feel like, oh, maybe I should win better awards or bigger awards or more awards. And 
uh, maybe I could sell more books and, or maybe I should sell more books or how can I sell more books? And mm. it starts to become a real, um, it starts to become a real burden, you know, I think without even realizing it. Um, and so when my last novel, uh, when my agent tried to sell my last novel and it didn't get sold, it really gave me an opportunity to, to step back and say, okay, hold on a second. Why am I doing this? You know, because if I'm mm -hmm. doing this for fame or fortune, um, you know, I could spend the next 40 years of my life chasing after that um, and just feeling a lot of disappointment and a lot of um, discouragement. And I think taking some time away has allowed me to to rediscover why I write, the real reason mm -hmm. I write, which is just for the fun of creativity and and um, getting into a story and and asking questions. And so to be able to get back into that has been just such a wonderful, such a wonderful gift, you know, mm. and I was talking with an author a few weeks ago and, you know, she's kind of at that stage of wanting to get a contract of wanting to, to, you know, get an agent and sell her proposal. And, um, I just, I try to encourage writers at that stage now. Like, I mean, that's what, that stuff is all wonderful. Don't get me wrong. I, you know, it can be really exciting and, um, but it's just not, it's, it's not gonna, it's never going to do, you know, Seth told me that a long time ago, this book will not do for you what you want this book to do for you. And if only I would have believed him, you know, eight years ago, <laughs> <laughs> but it's so true. It really is true. I think that's like, um, I, th I feel like that's a little bit like parenting advice. Like you have to really live it. I think to, for the gravity of that to set in, because you hear that from, you know, wizened writers out there who'll tell you like, it isn't all it's, you know, that you're imagining it's going to be. Um, there's like three authors out there who like, you know, strike gold with their books. And of course I'm exaggerating. There's, there's only one really maybe, but you know, there's, yeah. <laughs> it's such a small pool of people that that yeah. actually happens to. And the rest of us are just writing what's on our hearts or what's on our minds or what we want to write and recognizing that, you know, that's not, that's not a reality. That dream is really more dream than reality. But I think it's very hard to believe that when you're just starting out and you feel like you, you see it out there on the horizon and it feels like I can just get there. And it's like, yeah. you might, you might, but most of us don't. And that's mm -hmm. okay. Yeah. That doesn't mean yeah. that doesn't mean that you haven't achieved something or accomplished something amazing. It's just yeah. to go into it with that being the goal. I think you're just setting yourself up for potentially a lot yeah. of disappointment and disillusionment. But some people, we have to learn the lessons the hard way, right? We just yeah. have to yeah. Yeah. try it. And see and yeah. And I think what I realized was that I want to write for the rest of my life. You know, like I want to be creating and, and writing. And I realized that I would not be able to do that unless I changed my mindset, unless I changed my expectations um, because there's too much discouragement and there's too much heaviness. Um, if, if we're writing books and then our happiness with that book or our happiness with the, with the process or our contentedness with the process is based on sales or based on, you know, those sorts of things that are completely out of our control. Right. Um, there's just too much discouragement there. And I, and I knew that I couldn't, I, I won't be able to keep writing if, if that's, 
if that's sort of how I situate my writing life. Well, you use the word contentment, which I love because I think it does come down to finding contentment in things outside of that. Because I think when you, when you're up against things like um, sales or whatever that you can't control, I mean, you can't force people to buy your books. Um, I think it can breed that a kind of hustle mentality of thinking like, well, I just have to work harder and more and more hours and more, whatever, spend yeah. more money, get a publicist, do all these things. And then you just start to feel like, I mean, where does that end that I, yeah. I feel like it just goes on and on and you become yeah. ragged trying to accomplish something that for the most part is actually out of your control. It's within your control mm -hmm. to write the best book you can write. And that's about where it ends. I feel yeah, like, yeah. like that's it. And then beyond that, it's, it's really way, way out of your hands, but that's yeah. a hard, that's a hard lesson to learn too. I think even in just coming to a place of contentment, but actually something you shared, um, well, you weren't sharing it about writing, but watching your family, and it sounds so creepy, but online, when you guys were sharing pictures mm -hmm. of being at like the fair and doing yeah. those kinds of things, mm -hmm. I, it hit me that I think one of your greatest strengths is that you are bivocational and probably, you know, try vocational and whatnot, <laughs> but you aren't trying, you aren't like, I need to be holed up in my house, just writing books. Like you have this whole life that you're living and doing things and engaging with your community and engaging with people and doing all of these things outside of the writing. And mm -hmm. it just, it just hit me that like, I think that makes you a better writer because mm -hmm. you aren't coming at it with like, I need to just, just hole up in here and write books and not do anything mm -hmm. else. And it just yeah. made me think like, I think a lot of writers could probably benefit from having a life that is really about so much more than writing. Yeah. yeah. But I think yeah, sometimes no, the I, dream is like the cabin. I'm just going to go live like a hermit, just do nothing but write books right. all day, every day. You know? Right. Right. And I think what you're saying there is, you know, so often we get caught up in looking so far out there. Like what I want is something that's so far away, like that cabin in the woods where I can write or that New York times bestseller, or, you know, that, that Pulitzer prize winning book, like the things that we think that we want, we look so far out there to get them. And yet there's so much beauty right here, like right here within my grasp. And that's, I think what things like the fair helped me with and so just to explain, like my grandfather started this, this food stand at the Frederick County Fair 65 years ago. My parents took it over like 30 years ago. And now my wife and I just took it over this year. And then in the meantime, we, we opened another stand at um, the Maryland State Fair. So we have about six weeks of back-to-back -back fairs that we go to every year. And it does really serve to bring me back into this like very physical presence um, for six weeks, at least, you know, I, I forget about, I, I tell all my writing clients, I'm not going to be available. Um, I'll see you at the end of September. And life suddenly goes from, you know, me having all these longings and dreams and like wanting all these things that are so far outside of my grasp to literally every day 
rolling pretzels and making sandwiches and you know it's Mm -hmm. so immediate and so physical tangible I think Mary Carr would call it carnal Mm. um that it it does help me come back into the present into this here and now that Henry Nouwen talks about and that I think is so important for writers I think it is so easy to get lost in these desires and hopes and dreams and those things aren't aren't awful but we can't live out there you know and and there's so much beauty to be had here in in like the everyday and in the present and so that's what those fairs help me remember and that's really I think what Miley and I are trying to get back to is like what's going on in our house what is what are the wonderful moments that we have here you know like just waking up every morning and having a cup of coffee and chatting with our kids before they go to school and enjoying this week with our two college kids as they're home, like Mm. taking advantage of all these little beautiful moments that I don't have to sell a million books, you know, to experience that. I don't have to land a three book deal. Like all of these beautiful things are just right here and they're free and they're, um, they're just part of life if we'll open our eyes to them. And, I, you know, I really learned a lot of this from a friend of mine who I've been doing some work for this year. It's an organization called Soul Care. Uh, Mindy Caliguire is the the founder of that. And, um, you know, getting into her material and really focusing on what is what is the soul and what does it look like to have a healthy soul? And what does it look like to be on the edge of burnout, you know, and mm-hmm. and um just sort of thinking through those things and asking myself those questions has really helped me to, to sort of come back into this immediate presence of my life. Mm. I love that. I love that for so many reasons. I think that, you know, it's, there's a temptation to believe that all of the things like, you know, taking the time to have a conversation with your kids before they leave for school or doing some of these other things that aren't, you know, they don't produce, there's nothing to show for it. It's just, it's important. It's relational, but there's nothing tangible to say, look, this is what I did. And it was so worthwhile. Um, but I think that what we forget sometimes when we're looking at the dream is that this is the stuff that feeds the writing. Like if you don't do these things, what are you going to write about? How will you have the stories to tell or the things that, that you experience that then trigger a story that maybe trigger a fiction story because you mm-hmm. had this one encounter with some wild person at the fair or whatever. Mm-hmm. And all of a sudden now you've got a whole story building in your head. But if you don't, if you don't recognize that these things are not interruptions, these are actually feeding you, then I think it's easy to forsake the value of that conversation with your mm-hmm. kid in the morning or yeah. that cup of coffee with your wife when it's, mm. you know, when you have a thousand things to go run and do, but you're like, no, we're going to sit on the couch and we're going to drink coffee and pet the dog or whatever. Like yeah. there's something there that we need. And I think it's just so easy to think that all of that is just kind of like slowing you down, mm-hmm. but it's like, no, <laughs> I'm so glad you came back to this. You circled around to this point, Chris, because this idea of living in the midst of a writing life, I think is, it's so important. And it's, it can be hard, you know, when you have, when you feel like you have so many words to write, so many things to do, um, to, to be intentional about choosing 
um, choosing to live, you know, is um, it reminds me a little bit of uh, Henry now in one of his small books on prayer, uh, which the title is escaping right now, but he talks about how silence is so important because it, it, it gives us, um, he sort of compares it to like building the steam in a stove. Mm. And when, when we're silent, we're building up that energy that will someday be released in writing or speaking. Um, but it's that silence that's important. And I think, I think a lot of us could really could do with a little more silence, you know, when it comes to our writing, taking breaks, stepping back, um, not speaking, not writing. Uh, and this is a word for me as well, I think, but because what comes out of that, then like you're saying, what comes out of that experience, what comes out of that lived life is, is a really beautiful thing. You know, when I was driving for Uber back in like 15, 16, 17, that was a hard time of our lives. I didn't, you know, when you're trying to make a living on 15 bucks an hour driving for Uber, like that is grueling. And I would be driving into Philly. I'd leave the house at like nine at night on a mm -hmm. Friday. And I would drive in Philadelphia from, you know, 10 till three or four in the morning, mm -hmm. come home on Saturday, sleep all day, then go back Sunday or Saturday night. Like it, it wasn't probably what I would choose to do for the amount of time that I had to do it to make the money that we needed. But you know, the people that I met, the stories that that I came in contact with, the experiences that I had, I will never forget that. And it has informed me as a person. It's informed my writing. It's given me ideas. And so um, it ended up being just such a such a beautiful time. Um, but it required me to really step back, you know, from from some of the other things that I was doing writing wise. And um, that, that can be really good time. Mm hmm. Yeah. So, so hard and so valuable at the same time. And I think yeah. that that's, it's easy to kind of want to skip the hard stuff and go <laughs> yeah. to like, Oh, I just, I just want to do the, the easy, yes. not that writing is easy. Um, I don't think writing is easy, but you know, I want to go to the, the, what feels like more fun. Let me go yeah. do that, play with my words mm -hmm. rather than do something that is really going to be a grind and, you know, is to some degree really depleting. And then you, you could, yeah. I think you could think, well, I'm not going to be able to write because I'm going to be so exhausted. I'm mm -hmm. never going to be able to actually do what it is I want to do. But I think that I feel like most of the stories you hear from people who have gone on to want to be actors or things like that, musicians, and they've done their time, you know, served time mm -hmm. doing work that is not at all what they wanted to do or, you know, waiting tables or doing things that they would just have no they didn't ever dream of doing that but yeah. they look back on that time I feel like more and more and you hear about how valuable it was for them that they they needed to do that work and I think there's something to that I think a idea that you can skip these grind jobs mm -hmm. that sometimes we have to take to have this job that looks prettier flashier sexier yeah. whatever but there's so much value in the hard the hard work too. Yeah. The really hard I think, work. Yeah. I think it's John Blaze who's always telling me nothing is wasted. And I'm sure, you know, that may be a quote from someone else. He'd have to, I'd have to ask him, but I think it really is true. And I think, you know, a lot of times we don't get to choose the phase of life that we're in or, or our choices are lessened um, mm -hmm. just based on circumstances. And I, if there's anything that I've 
come to know it's that nothing is wasted. You know, like the, the season that you're in is the season you're in. And, and I think probably the worst thing that we can do is, is try and escape, um, try and escape a season of life prematurely, you know, to Mm. just, to just strive and do whatever we can to get the heck out of this present moment. Um, which is kind of a natural tendency, I think, but um, you know, what if instead we, we embrace these circumstances um, mm-hmm. and just sat with them and, and really listened to see what, what do these seasons have to teach us? And I have not done that well in the past, you know, um, as a freelancer, there have been times where Miley and I had no idea how we were going to, you know, pay the rent the next month or buy groceries for our kids. Or, I mean, it was a real, it could be a real stress at times. And I wanted to be out of that, (laughs) you know, like I just desperately wanted to be out of that. And I don't think wanting to be out of that is, is wrong, but I think I could have, I could have learned more probably. I could have, um, I think there was still joy to be found in that season and peace and, contentment. Um, and so that's, that's really what, what I, I guess what I'm trying to say and try to do now is just to, to live, to live the life that I'm in, um, Mm -hmm. instead of, instead of always just wanting, you know, Mm -hmm. other things. Yeah. Well, there's a lot of wisdom in that. And I know you, you came by it the hard way. So I know it didn't just drop into your head, you know, this is, this is the life lived. This is, you know, the things that you've learned along the way. And it's, um, I think that you and Miley are both so generous in the way that you share that with other writers. And, um, I think there's just, it's a real gift what you've given people over the years in the way that you, um, mentor and share that wisdom that you have learned through the process of, I mean, you've done so many things. You've self-published, you've been published, you've won awards, you've, you know, you've written for other people, you've done all, all those things. And I think all of that coupled with your actual everyday life, you have, you have been infused with a wisdom that comes from that, but you only got it by doing it and living it and being able to look back and go, yeah, I could have done that season differently. I mean, Let's, we all have those seasons. If we're otherwise, we're just lying to ourselves. We all can look back and be like, "I could have really played that one a whole lot better than I did." Yeah. Um, yeah. I wish I'd known that then. I wish I'd been able to do that then. I wasn't, mm-hmm. you know, I wasn't mature enough, or I wasn't wise enough, or whatever. But hopefully, I've learned it now, and I can maybe speak life into somebody else who's walking through that. Or when my kids come up against a season like that, hopefully, I have some nugget that they're willing to yeah. receive. You know, maybe, maybe not. Maybe they have to learn yeah. the hard way too. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. That's the way it goes. <laughs> no, you know, it it's so it's so interesting. I was um I was writing some copy for Soul Care, uh, and my friend Mindy Caliguire. And something that I wrote, I wrote it sort of along the lines of like, you know, live, um, take care of your soul so that you can live your life without regrets. And Mindy was like, yeah, I don't think so. Like, that's actually not healthy. It's not healthy to have zero regrets. Because if you have zero regrets, then you're so blinded to the mistakes you've made in the past, or the ways that you've hurt people or, 
And so I don't think, you know, I've, I, and that sort of brought me around a little bit differently. I don't think we should live in our regret. I don't think it's a right. baggage that we should carry around, but I think we should be able to look back on our lives and think, you know what, I probably could have done that a little bit differently. And maybe in the future, if that choice comes to me again, I'll make a different choice. Um, so yeah, I, uh, yeah, I agree. Yeah. I, I appreciate that. That's it's. And I love that you said we shouldn't live in our regrets. Cause I think that's also a temptation to kind of wallow in it and feel like, um, you know, I've, I've wrecked everything and I'm just going to stay in this place. But I, I think that that's, I don't think it makes me think of, um, actually, I was just reading this poem yesterday, Mary Oliver's, uh, wild geese, like where she says, you don't have to crawl on your knees. And I think like, yes, we don't have to stay in this place of just sort of flogging ourselves for like how we've screwed up, but acknowledging that we have regrets or that we could have done things differently. Or that, like you said, if we have the opportunity, by God, I'm going to do it differently because I did learn something yeah. that time. I did realize that that wasn't, you know, the right way or the best way, maybe not even right, yeah. but just the best way. And so I think there's um, there's grace in there that, you know, that says you can learn from your mistakes and you don't have to carry your regrets to the ends mm-hmm. of the earth. You can you can know that they're there and set them down and just learn from them. And they yeah. can just be sort of a marker along the way that mm-hmm. you pass by and you're like, yeah, that's an Ebenezer of a time that like, I just mm-hmm. didn't, I didn't live well in that season or mm-hmm. whatever, but I don't have to carry it with me. I can mm-hmm. just yeah, acknowledge it and, and do, do different. So I want to know um, if you're willing to share, are you returning to fiction writing or are you still kind of taking a pause from that? Yeah, I started after the fairs ended. Um, I really felt just a, a calling back to that sort of playful, you know, having fun with an idea. And I've been for a long time, I actually wrote last year. So in 2022, I wrote about 30,000 words of this novel. And um, we hang out with some friends, some writing friends once a year in Kentucky. And we got down there and I shared what, you know, a portion of what I had written. And even as I was reading it out loud, I was like, this is not right. There's something here that is not working. And so I'd written it in the first person after sort of workshopping a little bit and and getting some good feedback, I realized I needed to be in the third person close. And, um, so that, then I just set it aside and then I sort of entered that season of, of realizing I wasn't going to be writing fiction for a little while. Mm. And so this fall I picked that story up again and just started rewriting it, um, from the beginning. And it's been a lot of fun. It's been, um, it's 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 really helped me think through some of the some of the parenting issues that Miley and I've been through. Um, it's a story about Joseph, uh, the father of Jesus, but I'm writing it when, um, sort of during the lost years, where Scripture doesn't mm. talk about Jesus's life at all. So, to be Joseph when Jesus is like 26, 27, 28, 29. And you're wondering what happened? Like, is, <laughs> like nothing has happened, you know? Yeah. Like, like he hasn't, he's, we're all just living our lives, you know? And the Romans are still, they still have their foot on our necks. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, what was all that stuff that we experienced mm. 30 years ago? Was it real? Did I, you know, like I think back 
in my life now on things that happened 30 years ago. I mean, so I would have been 16. I so fuzzy, you know, like my memories are so fuzzy and, um, I know that I don't always remember things correctly because other people are like, no, 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 that didn't actually happen or this happened differently. And so I just wonder about the role of memory in Joseph, Joseph's life. Like, and, and how did that affect his belief? Did he still Mm -hmm. believe that, um, that things would happen? Um, and then also just the whole idea of of raising a son into adulthood, you know, mm. and, and what what a challenge that is. And um, that process of stepping back and backing away as they start to to head off into their own sort of life. Um, so those things have been really heavy on my mind and my heart. And I and it, it has helped me to sort of um, work through them a little bit in fiction and it's just been a fun story to write to i love asking questions like i love using fiction as a way of exploring questions and so um yeah it's been it's been good and it and and so i've been reading a lot of books who, that are written sort of similarly like um i'm reading uh sue monk kids book uh book of longings mm-hmm. Um, and I read during college, we read Jose Saramago's The Gospel According to Jesus Christ, which I picked up again. And then one of my new favorite authors, Niall Williams, um, who wrote This is Happiness, which is like one of my favorite books of all time. Turns out like 10 years ago or so, he wrote a book called John, which was about uh, the apostle um, and his life on Patmos after he had the revelation And so like what, you know, what, what was going on then with him and he had disciples at that point. So, you know, what did they think of him and what was going on in the world? And um, so it's all just been really interesting to, to sort of delve into that time period and, um, and ask these questions about fathers and sons and belief and doubt and Mm. all that kind of stuff. Wow. I love that. I'm going to have to look up several of those books. I've read the Sue Monk Kid but I have not read This Is Happiness. That sounds, I feel like I'm sure I've seen it. So I'm going to have to look it up in his other book. This That's Is amazing. Happiness. It's it's incredible that he wrote both of those books because they could not be more different. So This mm. Is Happiness is set in Ireland, I think in the early 1900s. Um, the, the telephone and electricity are just coming to this little village um, and in the meantime, it's told from the perspective of this, uh, this boy who's come to live with his grandparents, um, because of tragedy that's happened in his life. And it, it is just, it's a super quiet, super like just small town. It's such a beautiful, beautifully written. I mean, I think the first, the first chapter is like three, three words. And then the second chapter starts off with two or three pages about rain and how Mm. it rains in Ireland and how there's these different kinds of rain and what people think of rain. And so that's the kind of book that it is. Um, And then you read John and John is the most intense. um, uh, Like you just have this sort of foreboding sense throughout the whole Mm. book and it's very stark and it's a totally different time period, you know, um, and it, it's amazing to think that the same person wrote both because I would never have connected them. That's wild. I love that. I love when an author can do that too, to write 
something so different that, yeah. you know, if, if you didn't know, you might even not think like, oh, this is not <laughs> right. the same person. And then you're like, wait a minute, what? I think that's just is amazing. So I'm really glad you shared both of those because I will look them up. Um, I could read three pages about ring. That's, yeah. <laughs> that's awesome. <laughs> I love it. I could totally do that. Well, one of the questions I always ask as we kind of wind down is um, what's inspiring you right now? Music is always inspiring me. Music mm. has been a big part of my life and um, has been a big part of my writing for a long time. And then this past weekend, uh, my my daughter, her college roommate, sent her a text and was like, hey, my dad got four tickets to see Gregory Allen Isikoff um, in Philly. Do you guys want to come with us? And so my daughter's roommate, her dad was my roommate in college. So oh um, it's just like this incredible, it's just been so amazing to see them. And they go to the same school that we went to. Oh my God. Uh, so, I mean, we moved them in together, you know, the first couple of days of school, we were all out there together. Oh. Uh, so it's been really wonderful. So, so she texts my daughter. And so the four of us went to see uh, Gregory play in Philly and just standing there through the whole concert, which by the way, I'm getting old and I, you know, standing you for stand three for hours <laughs> on a concrete floor. Ooh, nope. I tell you, that was, uh, that was an experience. <laughs> but his music is just incredible. And, you know, even as I was sitting in, or as I was standing in there for the whole thing, I was thinking of new ideas for my story. And as he would sing certain lines, it was so inspiring to me. So I would say, um, and I, I'm not sure if it's his last name, it's Iskoff or Isakoff, but um, I, I totally recommend his music. It's really, really beautiful. And just music in general, I think, has been inspiring me a lot. Lately, and it's fun to have, you know, that's the other advantage of having kids. Um, I mean, they recommend music to me all the time. And it's, it's so fun, because I know me, like I am the kind of person I go to a restaurant, I order what I know I love. And <laughs> when it comes to music, I make my playlists. And it's usually 90% of music I've been listening to for 20 years or 30 years or whatever. <laughs> Um, and so it's really cool to have, you know, young adult kids now who I've raised them on the kind of music that I like. And so I, I can tell that's had an influence on the music that they like. And so we like the same music and, um, mm. that's really fun too. But yeah, I would say music has been inspiring me and getting back into reading fiction. Usually the summer tends to be a slower time for me for reading. I'm not sure why, but I don't read as much in the summer. I read a lot in like the winter, January, February, March, um, and so getting back into reading some of these novels that I mentioned has been very inspiring too. That's awesome. I love that. I, uh, I love, well, I think you posted to your Substack the other day asking for um, songs for your playlist, which I thought was such a cool idea to get people to weigh in and give you some different songs. But um, it's always fun. I think when your kids hear something and go, Oh, you would really like this song. And you can tell like they, they know you, they know what you listen to. My kids have done that recently with a couple songs and they were right. Like, I love 
the song that they shared with me and I hadn't heard yeah. it. And I was like, Oh my gosh. And then I felt so like, <laughs> I felt so seen like, Oh, they, they like really know me. <laughs> like, yes. Totally. Like, oh, that, like that was good. But also like, Whoa, am I that um, transparent? Like they really, they really nailed that one. So it was like a right, big bag right. of feeling good and also a little bit scared. <laughs> yep. Yep. I hear you. But that's awesome. Well, I really, I'm really grateful for you and grateful for Miley and the way you guys have worked together out in the world and the way you guys continue to work. Um, I'm really grateful for this conversation. I feel like you have um, a lot of wisdom and a lot of just generative things to share that I have, I know I've benefited from and I know lots of other people have. So thank you for taking the time to connect again and, um, and just reflect on the season you're in. I really am excited to see what comes of this for you guys in, you know, on all the levels personally and um, professionally, because I, I don't think you're done putting books out. I know that I don't believe that at all. Um, and I'm looking forward to Miley's book someday. I know she's going to put one out. So. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I always enjoy our conversations so much, Chris, and, yeah. you know, sort of like you said earlier, it's always fun to to kind of watch your family and see see how you guys are doing because we have been on parallel paths for a long time. So yeah, um, yeah. Thanks for the conversation. It's it's always a Absolutely. lot of fun. Absolutely. Well, I hope you have a great week, and we'll catch up soon. Sounds good. Thanks. See ya. Bye. Refined the podcast is sponsored by Refine Media, parent company of Refine the Retreat. For inspiration and to learn more about what we do, what we make, and how to participate, connect with us at refineretreat.com or on Instagram at refineretreat. Thanks for listening.